You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. So in Luke chapter 19, what we have, what where Coach left off in the account of the life and ministry of Christ last week is Jesus showed up in Jerusalem, we would say for the last time, but for the final time, even though he's coming in and out of the gates during this week, he arrived as prophesied on the donkey to the shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna. He did that on that Sunday of what we call Passion Week or Holy Week. So Sunday, he's going to be crucified on Friday. That Sunday is when he rode into town on the donkey. What's going to happen, the account that we're looking at here this morning, is what is going to take place on that Monday. So Sunday, he comes into town. But what he's doing is in the evening, he's going two miles to the east across the Kidron Valley to a little town called Bethany. So what he does is he wakes up, presumably, has his morning cup of coffee and kind of gets his day going. Then he comes the two-mile trip into Jerusalem up to the temple. And then when the day is done, he goes back two miles and goes back to Bethany. Now, the last time I was up here, we talked about something. There's a fancy term known as the synoptic gospels. That's where we get the term synopsis. How do we understand you know, what is going on? We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke are known as the synoptic gospels. You take all three of those accounts, put them together, and you have a really good understanding of what this account actually is. And in fact, a fourth gospel, John's gospel, actually records a similar event in John chapter 2. Now, I love giving homework out from up here, so I encourage each of you this week during your prayer time and, and study time, look at all four of these accounts and kind of study these out and really kind of understand the the depth of what was happening here, what we're going to look at this morning. Because what happens is Jesus comes into the temple and he begins to lash out at people, but he's justified in doing it. And we're going to see why. So let's go ahead and look at Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 45 says, then Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And we're going to stop right there and we're going to come back to this slide later. But Jesus shows up and let's go ahead and put up the picture of the temple. I had to dig through all of my pictures from Israel. And what you see right here, I'm going to see if I can kind of narrate this. See the little fellow with the yarmulke down there? This is actually a scale replica at the Israel Museum in Jerusalem. So what this is, is that's a scale model of what the temple would have looked like. So this entire thing that looks like a football field is actually several football fields long. This is unbelievably massive. So that is what's known as the Temple Mount. Now the area that we're talking about is in the center you have the temple. That is kind of starting from the 
the most inner where the Holy of Holies was. Then you have the, the court of the Jews. Then outside of that, you had the courts. And that's kind of the open space. Where we're talking about is to the left. So on this side, that open space, that was essentially a marketplace for people who would come uh, to Jerusalem. As Coach pointed out last week, this was during the Feast of Passover. So the, uh, the population of Jerusalem swelled in population. It got unbelievably big, and people are coming to do their, their uh, worshiping there at the temple. So if you're a, as we're going to see, if you're a scumbag, you're, oh man, I'm going to make some money. Look at all these tourists coming in. Ooh, got dollar signs in my eyes. But I wanted to show you this to give you an understanding of people would come to the temple, come to the temple mount, but in that left side, that open area, that's where all of this that we're going to look at this morning is taking place. So we have four different accounts of what happened. In the three synoptic gospels, we have one story. John's gospel tells us that Jesus did this at the front end of his ministry, that he went in and overturned the, changer, the money changers' tables, went in and physically overturned their tables and made a whip of cords and went and chased them out and go on, get. I don't think he said that, but presumably. If he was from Texas, he would have said that. He chased them out and said, get out of here. Why this was important. This is only a few verses that we're looking at this morning, but I think it's important for us to pause and really kind of understand the depth of what Jesus is doing, but more importantly, why he's doing this. And I also think it's important to point out, as Coach did last week, that Jesus, right before this in Luke's account, went and he wept over Jerusalem. His heart was breaking. He was like, gosh, the Jews just don't get it. They keep trying to earn my love, and I'm giving it freely. They don't understand that I am God's grace in person. I am God's love personified. They didn't understand that. They were temporal people, meaning if they could see it, touch it, you know, smell it, feel it, whatever, that's, that's what they would put their faith in, the law. If I can keep the law, then I'm going to be in God's good graces. That was their attitude. So it says that Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people selling animals for sacrifices. So when we look at those who bought and sold in this area, what was known as the court of the Gentiles, doing business up there was kind of the norm. That was a normal thing to see as people doing commerce and all of that kind of stuff. But for these people, this was an excuse to do corrupt commerce. During Passover, what they would do is they would sell animals. They would sell doves. And this is according to John 2. 
They would sell oxen, sheep, and doves. But they would also exchange money. Now, it's interesting for us. We, we need to kind of understand a little bit of why this is important. So when they would come to the temple, this right here is the temple, the absolute holiest site in Judaism. And to this day, the western wall, which is on that far side over there, is known as the Wailing Wall, where Jews go up and recite their prayers. That is the closest to what would be the Holy of Holies in the temple. That's as close as you can get. So that's as close to God as you can be. So they would go and people would come and offer sacrifices at the temple. They would say, okay, I, I was a bad boy this year, so I'm going to sacrifice this animal, this lamb, this oxen, this dove. I'm going to sacrifice it to God to show him that I'm sorry. I'm coming for religious reasons to pay respect to God and to pray that he would forgive me. The sacrifice would personify that. So these people are coming for what we would say religious reasons, for faith reasons, for uh, to, to show God that they are sorry. So they are doing this with good intentions, yet you got the scumbags looking with dollar signs in their eyes saying, ah, no, no, you don't need that oxen. You need a better one. And boy, I got one to sell you. And they would hike up the price. Not only that, the money changers, what they were doing is they would come from far off lands and they had their own coins. They were like, yeah, I'm going to sacrifice this to the Lord. But this is a Jewish temple. You need Jewish shekels. That's the only currency that God would honor. So you can't give your coins. God won't accept that is what they told them. So instead, you have to go exchange, you know, your coins for Jewish shekels. And what are they doing? They're driving up the prices. They are preying on these people instead of praying for these people. And I keep saying these people. Who are these people? Who did Jesus rush out of there or kick out of there? The religious Jews. They were taking advantage of the average person, someone who was coming in for legitimate faith reasons, and they were being preyed upon by these Jews. They were exploiting the people for financial gain in the name of their God and their religion. That's what they were doing. So we need to understand that this temple this, this area, this court of the Gentiles where all of this was taking place, Jesus comes in and he sees this and he responds. He overturns their tables. He chases them out with a whip, according to John's gospel. Jesus, rightfully so, had righteous anger towards them because they made it about themselves and not about the Lord. They made it about their own personal fortune. See, you, get, you guys know what ticket scalpers are? You go buy tickets to a Razorbacks game. Somebody shows up late and they're like, oh man, I hope they have a ticket at the window. Oh, they're sold out. But here's this other guy. He's like, well, you could buy it at the, at the ticket window for 50 bucks, but I'll sell you one for 
250 bucks. You're like, ah, well, they're about to kick off. Sure, you pay them $250. That's the same concept of what was going on here with these people coming into Jerusalem to worship the Lord and to offer sacrifices. And then you have these scumbags out there preying on these people. And again, these are these religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees, not just the money changers, but the ones who were empowering them to do this, the religious people, they were praying on the people instead of for the people. So Jesus in his righteous anger, he, he got mad at them for doing it the way that they did it. But as we know, as any student of the Bible knows, this is nothing new. You can find stuff in the Old Testament, you're like, oh my gosh, I thought people were only dirtbags in the 21st century. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, no. Nothing is new. So if you would, go ahead and flip over to Isaiah chapter 1. And we're going to have a, a slide up here as well. This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. Now, all of the prophets had a very, very difficult job. Their job was to take an unpopular message about repentance and turning back towards God and trying to tell people who were comfortable in their own sinfulness to stop doing what you're doing and turn back to God. That's a very, very tall task. But the Lord is, is speaking through the prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah 1, verse 11. And the Lord says, what makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord. I am sick of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fattened cattle. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls and the lambs and goats. When you come to worship me, who asks you to parade through my courts with all your ceremony? Stop bringing me your meaningless gifts. The incense of your offerings disgusts me. As for your celebrations of the new moon and the Sabbath and your special days for fasting, they are sinful and false. I want no more of your pious meetings. I hate your new moon celebrations and your annual festivals. They are a burden to me. I cannot stand them. When you lift up your hands in prayer, I will not look. Though you offer many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are covered with the blood of innocent victims. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. Give up your evil ways. And he goes on like this. That is very, very harsh from the Lord. But these people were living in their own sinfulness. They weren't just doing it themselves, but they were leading others into that as well. So, in other words, on the outside, you look very pious. Pious means very solemn, very religious, very introspective. Gosh, I'm so religious. I go to church. I offer these sacrifices. I, I do all of this kind of stuff. But God right here is saying, all of this is an abomination to me. It disgusts me what you're doing. So outwardly, you look the part. You make it seem like you really, truly mean it, but deep down, deep down, I know you don't. 
That's what God is saying right here. You are a burden to me. Basically, what you're doing is baloney. You're false. That's what Jesus was up against. This continued into Jesus' time. So you have these people who, according to Christ, he said, you have made my temple into a den of thieves. You have made my temple, my house, what was meant for good and for prayer and for worship. You have turned that into a den of thieves. Now, when he says, when you have made my temple of prayer, that's a reference to Isaiah 56. To a den of thieves, that is a reference to Jeremiah 7. So what Jesus is doing, and you've got to love the little things. He's talking to the religious leaders who know the Old Testament backwards and forwards. He's using Scripture to metaphorically jab them and say, what you're doing is wrong, and really kind of drive that point home through the use of referencing scriptures. Now, it, it took me a while to kind of understand. At, at first, it's like, okay, a den of thieves, okay, yeah. It's where a bunch of people who do their dirt, they come back and kind of a, a hideout, you know, a bunch of bad guys at the hideout. I don't think people do that anymore. Maybe they do. Um, but when you think about a den of thieves, that is where other thieves get together to relish in their evil deeds. They weren't, you know, bilking people out of money during the day and whoop, five o'clock, okay, let's go back to our hideout and talk about all the good stuff, all the good squandering we did today. Where was the hideout? Where was their den? It was the temple. That's where what I call scumbag central. God forgive me for saying that, but in, in the purpose of this story, that is scumbag central. That's where people got together to prey on these people. So individually they're thieves, but when they come to something that is supposed to be holy, that is supposed to be pure, they get together and they prey on people for their own personal financial gain. This was their way of life. Outwardly, boy, they had the robes, they had the, the look, the, oh, I'm so religious, look at me. They've got the education, they've got all of that. Yet this is what they did. They prayed on the people. It was corrupt, but, but, I love this part. Jesus used that for good. So let me show you. Uh, let's pick it up in, I got the Bible with the tiny print, so I'm going to have to, my parents tell me I need reading glasses, but I'm fighting it. Look at verse number 7, uh, sorry, 47, Luke 19, 47. So after he chased all of these people out, watch what his reaction was. Verse 47, after that, he taught daily in the temple. But the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and the other leaders of the people began planning how to kill him. 
verses. Yeah, I'm reading the right version. They planned to kill him. But jump over. I don't have this on the slide. Look at chapter 20, verse 1. This is still in the, in the same time frame. It says, one day Jesus was teaching the people and preaching the good news in the temple. So we see Jesus chases out all of the money changers. He tells them to go on again. Then what he does is he teaches. He preaches the gospel of himself. But he also healed people according to Mark's account. He did all of this stuff, and boy, that drove the religious people up the wall so bad that they wanted to kill him. We saw that right there in verse 47. The teachers and the religious of the religious law and other leaders and the people began planning how to kill him. They said, okay, we, we're done. This guy is done. This, he's got to go. Sound like the Sopranos. That guy's got to go, but... Look at verse 48. But they could think of nothing because all the people hung on every word he said. So they are hating themselves because of what's happening in here. But he's out there doing what he came to do. That is to preach, to teach, and to heal people. So all of this to say, okay, what can I learn from this? That's all well and good. Jesus went and kicked some tables over and flipped them and chased them out and all of this kind of stuff. That's all well and good. So what? What does this mean? What, what can I learn from this? Number one, their greed. I'm talking about the religious Jews. Their greed hindered the spiritual process of the people. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So one of the things that they would sell according to, to John 2, is in the temple where we, where we pointed out, they would sell oxen, sheep, and doves. Now, doves were important because if you were poor, very poor, you could afford a pair of doves to take those that were approved by the, um, the priests who inspect them a poor person could take two doves and offer that as a sacrifice. That's important to our story because these ravenous wolves who were preying on the people would hike that price up so much that a poor person could not afford doves and therefore could not make a sacrifice to God as, an, as a show of repentance. So what these people were doing, they were hiking the price up to make sure that poor people couldn't do it. They were hindering their spiritual process. So the poor become the outcasts. They can't go up and, and do this. Who had a heart for the poor? I'll give you one guess. Jesus. Don't you think that he saw that and was just filled with righteous anger? I would be. Much less him. The people that he had compassion for were essentially knocked out of the religious practice because of these vipers. Jesus had a heart and heart for the poor and preached to them. Because greed should not get in the way of someone's spiritual walk. I'll say that again. 
greed should not get in the, in the way of someone's spiritual walk. In other words, you don't pay to play when it comes to Christ. He loves the absolute richest person on the planet, and he loves the absolute poorest on the planet. God's grace is extended to both equally. His love is extended to both equally. Which leads me to my second point. Modern day money changers. So when we go back and, and look at, at these money changers who were exploiting people for financial gain, exploiting, let me clarify that, exploiting spiritually thirsty people for financial gain, does that happen today? Turn on any religious program. TBN, Daystar, whatever those channels are. You see modern day money changers. Call our hotline, I will pray for you, or someone in my office, or our ministry will pray, will pay, pray for you if you make a donation. Do you want God's favor and God's blessing? Make a donation today. If you pay me, God will bless you. Does that at all sound familiar? What we just read, what was happening at the time of Jesus, this is what they were doing, is they were exploiting spiritually thirsty people for financial gain. Do you want physical healing? The bigger your check, the bigger your don donation, the more you are going to be physically healed. Have y'all seen stuff like that? Let me take it one step further. There's a well-known televangelist not too far from here, just up the road, he was selling a supposed, supposed prevention and cure-all for COVID-19. But you had to donate to his ministry above a certain level to be able to have access to this miracle cure. A televangelist was selling that. That same televangelist is now in court because guess what? It was phony. The whole time, it was phony. Yes, the money changers exist in our society today. If you want God to do XXX for you, just make sure you cut a big fat donation check. Is that how God works? Nope. But people make billions, billions with a B, off of spiritually thirsty people. And shame on them for doing that. They exploit people for their own personal financial gain. And lastly, probably the most important thing that we can pull away from this is this account of Jesus cleansing the temple was a symbolic act of judgment on Israel and the Jews. As Coach pointed out last week, Jesus wept over Jerusalem. They didn't Get it. They wouldn't understand that he came to seek and to save every single person. His grace was extended in this new covenant, but they didn't get it. They were still stuck on the law. 
Jesus cleansed the temple the same week that he himself would become that ultimate sacrifice. And what's interesting is Matthew and Mark's Gospels have this account of Jesus cleansing the temple directly after Jesus cursing the fig tree. And that's another sermon for another day, but I will tell you that the fig tree most of the time represents Israel in the Bible. What Jesus is doing is he is saying, okay, Israel, you had better get it through your heads. This covenant, you don't have a lock on everything. This new covenant that I am coming to, to put into place, it will cause you harm if you do not place your faith in me. So the cursing of the fig tree happened around the same time. What God is doing is he is saying that Israel is facing judgment. Jesus was about to make salvation available, not just the Jews, but to all people. Jesus is trying to tell them this, but they are not listening. Jesus is saying, you had the opportunity to honor me, but you made it absolutely corrupt. This temple, this beautiful building, that was meant for my good, yet you defile it. You made it about yourselves. You made it about earthly goods. And also what's interesting is in this new covenant, there is no mediator between God and man. Or Christ is that, but you don't have to go to the priest to go to God. See, in the Holy of Holies, where the, the, the Holy of Holies, in the temple, when Jesus was crucified, that veil was torn. What that means is you don't have to go to a physical place to have access to the Father. Through the work of Christ, we now have access through him. Salvation was about to be available to everyone. And I encourage you today, salvation is only found in Christ. So what can we learn from this? This was judgment on the Jews. There are money changers out there to this day. And when greed hinders someone's spiritual walk, it's a very bad place to be. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.